Justin join us this morning in his beautiful rendition of Abba. Justin is a college student from Virginia, but a close friend to Annalise, and he has joined us uh, vocally and as a musician at the 1030 service, and I invited him to share that uh, with you this morning. They'll be singing that a little bit later as well, but uh, uh, thank you for sharing your gifts and talents with us. Let's give him one more appreciation. He goes back to school in Virginia, but we're trying to uh, get him to look at a school called LSU so he can stay with us. Okay, maybe not. Anyway. <clears throat> we have three scriptures this morning to share. The first one out of Galatians chapter 5, we hear verse 22 through 24, the words of Paul. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. And finally, uh, we, or now we jump over to Hebrews chapter 12. We read verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of joy that was set aside before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. And finally, this morning, from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 9 through 11, the words of Jesus. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Friends, this Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. Today we continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And if you haven't figured it out by now, we're talking about the fruit that is joy. And we're asking questions as we go along. And the question for us this week is this, how can I be joyful in a world where happiness comes and goes? How can I be joyful in a world where happiness is fleeting? Just a reminder that when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the definition we're using throughout this series is this. is fruit of the Spirit are those actions which show evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Uh, as a Christian, this is, is where uh, uh, we should... Uh, be witnessed in these actions in our daily living. Others should see these in us. This is the place to start when seeking to live a life that is centered around the life of Jesus Christ. And our goal as Christians should be to live as Jesus lived. And we learn how to do that through this fruit, which is produced by living a life that is guided by the Holy Spirit. Anybody familiar with the old satirical uh, news website called The Onion? Oh my. Okay, okay. Well, at least we got a couple of y'all in here. Uh, I, 
Fred, I figured you of all folks would know the onion. Uh, it was a sa satirical site uh, that wrote satirical news articles. And this was, uh, uh, it wrote, the, the following fictitious story appeared on there one day. It was called, Man on Cusp of Having Fun Suddenly Remembers Every Single One of His Responsibilities. And it goes like this. The humorous story read, uh, Marshall Platt, age 34, came tantalizingly close to kicking back and having a good time uh, while attending a friend's barbecue last night before remembering each and every one of his professional and personal obligations. Backyard sources confirm this. While he chatted with friends over a relaxed outdoor meal, Platt was reportedly seconds away from finally letting go and enjoying himself when he suddenly uh, was crushed by the full weight of work emails that still needed to be dealt with. An upcoming wedding he had yet to buy airfare for because of an unresolved issue with his Southwest Rapid Rewards account and phone calls that needed to be returned. Platt, who reportedly sunk into a distracted haze after coming to the razor's edge of experiencing genuine joy, fully intended to go through the motions of talking with friends and appearing at least to have a good time, all while mentally shopping for a birthday present for his mother, and made a silent note to call his bank about a mysterious reoccurring $19 monthly fee that he had recently discovered on his statement. Everything's fine said the tense, mentally absent man whose girlfriend asked him what was wrong after his near-giddy buzz vanished and he remembered that he hadn't called his aunt yet to check on her after her surgery. I'm having fun, according to sources. Platt tried to put his responsibility-laden thoughts out of his mind and loosen up. But suddenly remembered a magazine subscription that needed to be renewed by Friday, a medical bill he thought now might be overdue, and the fact that he needed to do laundry by tonight or he would run out of clean socks and underwear. What's on your mind during the sermon today? What's for lunch? When's he going to hush? What do I have to do this week? Anything like this ever happened to you? It's okay to admit it. We get distracted even in moments where we just need to let go. Paul Tillich, theologian and author, once asked the question, Is not the decision to be a Christian a decision for the joy in God instead of the happiness of the world? I wonder what the true answer is for myself. And for all of us. You know, folks, we come to church and we sing songs like, Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. We call God the giver of immortal gladness. We sing all thy works with joy surround thee. And all these works call us to rejoice in thee. We sing that God is the wellspring of the joy of living. And we ask God to lift us to the joy divine. We sing how joyful music leads us sunward in the triumph song of life. But are we really as joyful as the words of the hymns seem to indicate? Are those our true feelings or just those of the author Henry Van Dyke? You ever think about that? 
Today, we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit that is joy and answer that question we mentioned. How can I be joyful in a world where happiness comes and goes? The word joy is the Greek word chara or kara. You wonder where we got our child's name. It's spelled a little bit differently in the Greek. The word chara or kara, which means joy, literally translates to mean delight, gladness, or cheerfulness. And here's another reminder about these fruit of the Spirit. They all have one definition, part of their definition in mind, and that is they come only by way of the Holy Spirit that results from knowing and serving God. Folks, joy is not an emotion, but a state of being. Joy is not an emotion, it's a state of being. Joy is a byproduct of being in a consistent relationship with God through Jesus Christ by way of the Holy Spirit. It is the raw feeling we get when we can finally understand just how amazing God's grace really is. It's that light bulb moment. It's that moment that goes off saying, that is what this is. This is what that really feels like. Joy is what drives our need to worship and to serve God. It's the difference between coming to church because, uh, and worshiping God because you have to versus coming because you want to. <laughs> How many of us got drugged to church as a child? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to admit, in my house, we didn't ask questions about what to do on Sunday morning. We went to church. If you were too sick to go to church, mama said, throw up and prove it. <laughs> and if you couldn't throw up, you went to church. And if you did throw up, guess what? She said, now nah, don't you feel better? Let's go to church. <laughs> That's not mine. That belongs to Mark Lowry. I just love to steal it and use it every once in a while. But it's a true metaphorical example of what I went through in my household. Being a grand, uh, 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 the grandson and, and nephew times two of pastors, on Sunday morning, you went to church. And there were lots of days that I didn't want to go to church. There's still days I don't want to go to church. <laughs> Amen? Brad, I saw that. The hand went up and then came right back down real fast. <laughs> Joy, though, is what drives our need, desire, and urge to worship God. It is a thrill with all the goosebumps and the chills involved of simply being in the presence of God. There are so many ways to express that joy in worship. There's... You can express it by shouting. You can express it with a loud voice. 
you can express it by playing a pipe, a harp, a trumpet, a, an organ, a piano, a, a guitar. You can express it with, with musical talent, with your voice and singing songs to Jesus. You can express it by sitting and being engulfed by the word of God, letting it come over you as you sit, allowing the thoughts of the world escape you while just for a few moments being entranced by God's Holy Spirit. Joy is an action of dancing, an action of leaping, an action of stomping our feet. Everybody stomp your feet. There we go. Father Abraham would be proud. VBS would be proud. We stomped our feet. Joy is smiling faces. Joy is twinkling eyes. Joy is expectant feelings. Joy is getting all bubbly and feeling all the emotions rising up from the tips of your toes to the tops of your heads with no able to no nothing able uh, to control it. Have you ever been so overwhelmed by joy that tears just fill your eyes and you look to your neighbor and say, "I don't know why I'm crying." Maybe you've been so engulfed by the Holy Spirit, it just brings you to tears because the goosebumps aren't enough to hold them back. Every worship service should be an opportunity for unashamed, blatant, tearful, outrageous, uninhibited joy. When it isn't, it lacks one of the outward indicators of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That which is joy. Folks, listen to this. A relationship to a joyful God through the joyful Jesus leads us to be joyful disciples. Abiding joy is to be found in God's presence because just as God is love, we learned last week, joy is at the very core is that the very identity of who God is. Just as God is love, God is joy. In the Hebrew scripture, we learn this. We learn that, that joy was exemplified in the life and character of Jesus Christ and set forth in his teachings. Yet again, Jesus was and is the example to follow. Jesus is the first who obeyed God perfectly and thus began the new covenant. He set the course of faith, ran the race first, and now waits for us to join him in the end. And you know what? Jesus is there encouraging us all the way. You ever see those uh, crazy fathers behind home plate at the little league game just oh, 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 shouting for their child maybe it's a father that's standing at the finish line as the as their child comes and rounds the final turn and is just encouraging this child keep coming keep going push push keep it up that's Jesus in our lives today as we turn every corner in life as we push through this this finish line and the next finish line the next there's Jesus as we come up to bat in the game of called life Jesus is that father in the back of the little league crowd going that's my child that is my child coming up now you swing for the fences my child 
Jesus, the Father we serve, who would come and experience this life in the image of Jesus and would stick around by way of the Holy Spirit to encourage us with as much joy as we can't even fathom. He is also the one who brings us to our intended goal because of his suffering, because of his obedience. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross. Jesus endured all that we endured, and he didn't do it for the fun of it, folks. It wasn't fun. Jesus didn't do it for the glory of it because there was no glory, there was no earthly glory in dying on a cross. Jesus didn't do it for the power that was in it. There was no power involved in dying on a cross. He endured all this suffering on account of the joy that he knew would follow. He did all of this so that way we could have the opportunity to experience the joy that he knew was heaven and eternal life because he knew that at the end of all of this it would be worth it. He knew that at the end of all of this he would be back to the right hand of God the Father Almighty and eternal joy and that by doing all this we would all have the opportunity to do the same thing. That's why Jesus endured all that he did. He did it so we can all experience the joy of being in the presence of God. He kept his eyes focused on the goal of his appointed course, the accomplishment of his priestly work and his seat beside God's throne in heaven. Like Christ, we should persevere in times of suffering, looking to Christ as our model and concentrating on our heavenly destination. Being with God, obeying God, doing God's will on this earth, it produces joy in our hearts and in our lives. It enables us to endure anything for the sake of the joy that we know follows. You ever been through something and you said, Lord, take this cup from me. I don't know if I can handle this anymore. But we endure because come morning, there is joy. Because we know that there's a light at the end of the darkness. And the light's name is Jesus. Joy represents our eternity. Joy represents our everlasting life. So society begs us to ask the question, what is true happiness? The world has corrupted and confused true joy with momentary happiness. Happiness comes and goes. Happiness may disappear with the next phone call. Your loved one dies. Your x-ray shows bad news. Your car needs repairs. Your stocks are falling. <laughs> In an instant, poof, there goes our happiness. But joy is based on a relationship to God through the joyful Jesus. And that, my sisters and brothers, can never be taken away. He is always there. Jesus never fails. 
British theologian C.S. Lewis described happiness 50 years ago in terms that make even more sense today in our technologically computer uh, chat PT AI driven society <laughs> he says now God designed the human machine to run on himself he himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on there is no other that is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Jesus and joy go hand in hand together. You know, this flesh will do all that it can to take the joy away from you every chance that it gets. It will provide distractions. This world will provide sorrow. This world will provide pain and even death. It provides moments of happiness when things are going well. It provides moments of depression and anxiety when life gets difficult. But listen to this, folks. Genuine joy transcends the mountains and the valleys of our life genuine joy is there no matter what this terrain and life is doing to us joy stays the course because joy's name is Jesus in order to experience that though we must run this marathon race called life for Christ and not for ourselves or our own happiness. We must stay focused on Jesus. We, must, we will stumble <laughs> in this life, right? There is no guarantees that we won't. We will stumble when we look away from Jesus and focus on instead of the situations that we get ourselves into. There was a man who stopped to watch a Little League baseball game. He asked one of the youngsters what the score was. We're losing 18 to nothing, was the answer, just as gleefully as possible. Well, the man said, I must say, you don't look a bit discouraged. Discouraged, the boy said. And he looked at him puzzled. Why should I be discouraged? We haven't even gotten to bat yet. <laughs> this world with all of its suffering and death is not our home. It is just temporary housing. I'm not willing to allow it to become my permanent solution. And God wasn't willing to sit back and allow that to happen either. Because of Jesus Christ and what he endured for us, we have the opportunity to obtain the perfect joy and dwell in the eternal presence of the everlasting good, good Father that is our God. Folks, this world did not give us this relationship and this joy and the events of this world cannot and will not ever take this relationship with Jesus and this joy away from us. There is nothing this world can do to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus.
I don't know about you, folks, but that is something worth rejoicing. When life has you down 18 to nothing, just remember, you still got a chance to bat. And with Jesus, a grand slam is imminent. This is all the reason we need to find joy in every aspect of our lives today. Where do you find joy in your life? Where does the world, where does Satan try to zap it away? And are we willing to fall into that? Or are we coming back and saying, not today, Satan. The joy of Jesus is in my heart. And there's nothing you can do to take it away. God is so good. So good. That he would introduce to us the fruit of joy. And within that is the joy of serving the one true God. Whom all of this started with. And whom it will finish with our everlasting life folks this is the gospel message this is the reason to be joyful today glory be to the father to the son and to the holy spirit amen our hymn of invitation and going forward this morning is faith of our fathers Maybe you're sitting there saying, I, I, I've never experienced the joy of Jesus because I've never asked Jesus to live inside of me. <clears throat> Maybe you know someone like that today. Joy is missing from their life because Jesus is missing from their life. It starts with a simple prayer that says,